been a minute. Traffic report's been on hiatus. I won't bother to explain why, because I know no one really cares. But we're back to talking Atlanta United. It's Monday, June something. The Monday after the Chicago Fire defeat. A weekend I think a lot of United fans thought team could uh, maybe pick up some points as well as move up in the East. Instead, after the 2-0 defeat, they're still, or maybe it moved even down to the eighth spot in the East. That being said, they still have a game in hand, I believe, on a lot of the other East contenders. But what do we take out of that Chicago win? Pretty much that Atlanta United looked bad. And... I mean, that could, I guess, be chalked up to several things. Uh, You know, not at really full strength for the entire game. Chicago's been playing very well, uh, especially considering they picked up a a major player, major part of their uh, midfield since Atlanta played them back in March. Um, I don't... You know, I'm I'm not going to break it down too much because I don't really care to. I don't think there's much to take away from it. Except maybe that when Atlanta United does have a full strength club with either no injuries or suspensions or international duty, that is a very good unit and a unit that's learned how to play together. And whenever that 11 is changed out, the creativeness and cohesiveness and probably Tata's main game plan and and strategy kind of goes out the window. Um, You know, not any player specifically that's causing that or doing that, but, um, you know, it just just doesn't work as well. Atlanta United fans, I think, going into the season felt really good because, you know, they we got to preach that, like, look, look at all this on paper, look at all this depth we have, but, you know, they, they aren't part-for-part kind of guys, and that's the kind of thing where being an expansion team really starts to hurt because you don't have two, three, four years of one coach, one system being able to really vet everyone that you're bringing in to provide the same, you know, capabilities and style of play so that when you're practicing week in and week out, you do have to make some of these hard decisions on when to rest players, when players are away on national team duty, all that sort of thing, that maybe you don't skip a beat where Atlanta is kind of facing that right now. Um, What that kind of leads into is the U.S. Open Cup match this Wednesday. That'll be out at Kennesaw State at uh, Fifth Thirds Bank Stadium. Um, I'll be out there. It'll be my first time out at that stadium. Besides the Wednesday traffic going up 75 on a, a weekday afternoon. Looking forward to it. And what kind of lineup are they going to be playing? I mean, this is the first U.S. Open Cup match for Atlanta United. Um, 
as it's shaken out, they will be playing the kind of USL affiliate. Charleston Battery, and I don't think, I mean, no MLS team wants to lose to a USL team, and I, I think in this case, Atlanta United definitely does not want to lose to Charleston Battery, even more so than normal, but, you know, especially these early US Open Cup matches, this is when a lot of MLS, you know, the starters get rest, so, you know, who, who are we going to see step in? Who will get rested? What does it mean? Uh, Tata did reference that, you know, we saw Joseph Martinez come back against Chicago and that he possibly could even start to get back into match fitness for Atlanta United, which is good, you know, regardless of who will be behind him in the midfield. Um, probably see some of the defenders get some rest. They obviously don't get much during the regular season. Uh, I would definitely think maybe Ty Mears and, and Garza will rest, so we might see um, Mikey Ambrose and Mark Bloom. Um, I think Doug Roberson had referenced maybe uh, Miles Robinson getting some time. Uh, you know, we hadn't seen him at all for Atlanta United yet. He was the young center back that we picked up in the Super Draft. I'd be very interested to see a back line of um, Ambrose, Bloom, and then Robinson and uh, Antoine Walks in the middle. Could be a little shaky, but could be also um, maybe exciting. You know, get, get them some play. In the midfield, maybe we'll get to see Chris Gosselin for the first time for Atlanta United. Um, Andrew Carlton, I expect to play. You know, he's going to have family definitely in attendance. Um, Gosselin probably will too, but, uh, you know, we, we know he can create, and we've already seen him make his MLS debut, so wouldn't be surprised to see him here. Um, who else? You know, Kratz, Harrison Heath. You know, a lot of these guys, I maybe, uh, I think Brandon Vasquez is back, maybe Brandon Kratz. I don't know, a very young team. I think a lot of subs we'll get to see. Maybe things get a little dicey at the end. We'll sub in some of our starters to kind of shore things up. But I'd be all for a lot of new faces as long as things go okay. What I would be a little worried about, uh, Charleston is playing very well in USL. Um, a couple of loaned players that can play for Charleston include uh, Jeffrey Otu, and also Romario Williams, who has just been killing it right now for USL, uh, for the battery, scoring just at will, it seems like. He also has some Jamaican national team experience. So, you know, if he's playing for Charleston and Charleston's playing kind of their first team, you know, starters, and Atlanta goes to that inexperienced back line, would not be surprised to see them go up early with the Romario Williams goal. Uh, one little thing I will note, um, I saw someone either on Twitter or somewhere uh, reference the FC Cincinnati-Columbus USL match the middle of the week also. Um, I believe they've sold about 20,000 tickets for that game, which would be a USL fourth round, fifth round, whatever round this is, record. FC Cincinnati pulls in a lot of great crowds, um, you know, week in and week out. And, of course, with them playing uh, an in-state MLS rival, Cincinnati versus Columbus, definitely going to get some attention. Someone online said, I, I think Atlanta United could beat this if 
they were in a larger stadium. Considering the sellouts that have happened to Bobby Dodd with, you know, 45,000 at least every game. I think the numbers are interested, but like a midweek, midweek game for, you know, against a lower, lower league opponent, I think is still pushing it, especially with, you know, not to critique anyone, criticize anyone, whatever you want to call it, but... I don't know how many people actually understand what U.S. Open Cup matches are or, you know, why they exist. So some more casual fans that enjoy going to games, regular season games. I don't know if you can get that same pull, especially, again, Wednesday afternoons, that sort of thing. Midweek trying to get somewhere. But I think it'd be fun. Uh, That kind of perfectly segues into the opponent this weekend, which will be Columbus Crew at Bobby Dodd. Um, Columbus Crew has uh, a lot of guys that are looking pretty good on their offense. Um, Justin Merrim, uh, Federico Higuain. Who else we got over there? Uh, Ola Kamara, Ethan Finley, um, kind of in that uh, winger spot, and Will Trapp in that kind of defensive midfielder spot. But very, very good team or have been playing much better this year. Last year they had a down year. Two years ago they made MLS Cup Final against the Timbers. So it'll be interesting. I think, again, full-strength squad on Saturday. You know, Martinez back, Miggy, Assad, Diljaba in his, like, actual spot. Defense behind him, atmosphere. I expect to win. I expect a result. Some points. I think three would be great, but... Anyway, just something to look forward to. Again, I'm not going to break that down. You can find other places for that. Last thing I want to mention today on the traffic report. Recently joined some Facebook groups. uh, Atlanta United Facebook groups. Just to kind of see... Just kind of see what was... What the chatter was. And... You know, it's, it's amazing... And I'm sure this happens everywhere, but it's amazing how much credit Atlanta United gets for their fans, but then to see how many supporters groups disagree with each other, how many people just get called out a lot, how many just really obnoxious nitpicking goes on. Um, Personally, I kind of see it happening, and it reminds me why, you know, I got my seats where they are. Um, love all the supporters groups, love what they're doing, but, you know, when I go to games and when I was purchasing tickets, I wanted them to be with people that I was going with. Um, not that you can't get that same experience with a larger group setting and supporter section, but, you know, I didn't want to be caught up in what's Terminus Legion doing this week? What are our chants? Um, what's... What's Footy Mob got going on? How come the, you know, Capo up top isn't doing any of our cheers, even though I thought they were better? Um, you know, oh, you're going to the the Factions watch party? Like, well, I'm going to the Resurgence watch party. You know, it just creates this kind of, these rivalries and, um, you know, side choosing that I think is kind of counterproductive and, I don't want to get too toxic over time. And it already seems to be starting on some of these Facebook groups. But anyway, that's all I got. 
looking forward to a lot of soccer this week. Maybe I'll even podcast next week. Probably not. I'm too lazy for that. I'll see you guys later.